Brother, you can use any handout you want. This is a free country. <laughs> All right. We're in Psalm 119, verse 129. Oh, by the way, I almost forgot. My, uh, my government uh, director of our office, her mother is in the hospital. She was having heart pain and palpitations, and she drove herself to the hospital. And, and so her name is Retta, and so we're going to pray for her real quick. Dear Lord, we do lift up Retta to you. We pray for your help and healing for her. We pray that she would be okay, Lord. There wouldn't be anything seriously wrong. Please just uh, help her to, to come through that safe and sound. And we pray for uh, Angel that she'd be able to find out that soon. And we also pray for um, Brother Tom Perkins. Lord, please put your hand of healing upon him. And uh, we do pray that you help all of us uh, who can um, be in touch with them in any, any way to be an encouragement to them to do so. And we pray for your blessing on this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So um, in Psalm 119, verse 129, <laughs> Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do to those, unto those who, that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. Make, that, make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law. So we're on page two, and uh, we're continuing the first one, the hidden truth that all the world may know. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. And so we're continuing with that thought, and we're on letter number two, about the middle of the page, on page two. Uh, knowing the Lord is where our blessings are found, and it's something we may glory in. And so as we read His Word, and we see so many wonderful things, the Word of God is, is wonderful, a great deal of it, because He is wonderful. And we learn of Him, and we, uh, you know, we learn of Him, and, and His love, and His kindness to us, and His mercy through our own interaction with Him. And He teaches us and ministers to us through His Word. And so that's all part of that. So uh, wonderful because His testimonies teach us His faithfulness. I have that note uh, there before we get to number one. So the thought is, knowing the Lord is where our blessings are found, and it's something we may glory in. In, in Jeremiah nine twenty three and 24, it's there in your notes. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And you know, the thing is, is we have to have God say things like this to us because we are so prone to glorying in ourselves. Or glory, or for that matter, glorying in other men. Brother? Professional athletes. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, you know, you notice the three things that are mentioned there. Let him, the, uh, let not the uh, wise man glory in his wisdom, the mighty man in his might, or the rich man in his riches. And that, that covers a lot of areas in which mankind glories either in himself or in other men. And here's what God says that we can glory in. Let, let, him, let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise these, these three things, loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these things i delight saith the lord and so that is what we can glory in is knowing him and and again as you read the word of god and as you experience 
growing in the Lord and you read the truths of God, this is the way in which a man or a woman is blessed in this world by knowing the Lord (laughs) and walking in his ways. And if you do not have that, then what you have is, you know, you have you have a counterfeit. You have all kinds of ways in which, man, I was thinking about it. I got an email today from uh, the ACLJ, the American Center for Law and Justice, and they represent a lot of the causes that we we believe very strongly in um, against abortion and things like that. But um, they they mentioned a perennial <laughs> atheist, atheistic group that are constantly fighting against public prayer and any any kind of public uh, acknowledgement of God or fearing God. And, and the thing is, is they, you know, they they can they can claim all kinds of morality. But apart from God, what you really don't have that what you have apart from God is, you know, the best you can do is not kill each other, you know, not steal each other. What's that? Works of men, morality. And the thing is, is that it's it doesn't go any further than skin deep. You know, we we cannot know goodness apart from God. And the more you experience of the Lord and the more you see in his word, the more you experience of him is that all goodness comes from him without exception. There's no place in which you can walk in this world and experience goodness without God, without the grace of God. Hey, Miss Marie. Nice to see you. (laughs) And so, um, but uh, the, what he what we see there in verse 24 again, let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which, which exercise loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. And so all of those things, loving kindness and judgment and, right, and righteousness, he is the source for those things. And so um, I have this note underneath that, that his words, his laws, his judgments. And you look with me in Psalm 1, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. It's a pretty extraordinary passage. Yeah, amen. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've often seen that in, you know, in, in a different light as well. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And I've often wondered, is it, is it saying... That he's delighting in those things, loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness, or, or us delighting in knowing him who is the source of loving kindness, righteousness, and judgment. And I, I think that's a pretty beautiful thought both ways. But uh, then in Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the, of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and that bringeth forth his fruit in, in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the, the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall, shall perish. And you see in this passage, he says in verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, but what's, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And that's what having God in your life and God being your, your guide, your day-by-day guide, your minute-by-minute uh, strength, and, and like David often says, 
Uh, he is my rock, my, my sword, my shield, my strength, my high tower. You know, when God is all of that to you, he helps you to walk in the path that he wants you to. And in that process, you have what this testimony is. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And sometimes, you know, when you say you're, you're a Christian, you say you're trying to follow the Lord. And, and, and again, we need to stay away from that pious attitude of, of I'm holier than thou. I'm, I'm better than you are <laughs> because I'm, it's the truth is when you say I have found the best way and it's following the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes people have this. Uh, I mean, we had somebody that was very near to us uh, say to us early on, <laughs> you know, that. You know, walking in this way is and raising your kids this way is is like uh, too much meat and not enough ice cream. And uh, and and his perspective was, is, you know, you're you're keeping your kids from too many things. And so anyway, uh, it, it took pretty much, you know, 20 years of raising kids. And uh, and their perspective was, uh, you know, that you guys did the right thing in following the Lord. You guys did well. To follow the Lord and try to, and I'm not lifting us up. I'm saying that that sometimes when you try to do that, do the right thing by the Lord, people around you may, you know, deride you for that. They may say that's, you know, you're not you're not doing the best thing for your family or whatever. But again, a lot of these things they play out over time, and it's far better to be walking with God despite what anybody else says. And some of those things you look back and you see them so clearly, but in the moment, you know, people can. They can weigh, you know, hey, well, hey, do what you want, but I'm going to go this way. <laughs> but, you know, listen, God's ways are the right ways. God's ways are the best ways. And walking in this world and, and in the things of the world, they, they are not where our blessings are found. And that's really what God's testimonies are. Lord, you and your ways are wonderful. That's where I need to be. I need to walk with you. And it doesn't matter what mankind says. I need you and I need your ways and I don't need to be departing from you. And so uh, his words, his laws, his judgments, and, and uh, that's what you get from uh, verse two there. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And so uh, I have this note underneath that as well. Uh, his testimonies are wonderful and uh, they profit us greatly. You know, the word of God is not just the practiced art of religion. The word of God is following God, clinging to God, holding on to him all day, all night. Which is what God wants for us. You know, and, and of course, we've talked about this many times. God's desire for our lives is for us to be in a close relationship with him. Not just that we observe religious acts or observe religious doctrines. God is, you see it clearly as you read the Bible. He is not about us being religious. He is interested in us being in a close relationship with him. And yes, that does involve you know, doing some things and not doing others, but not because it's religious, which, of course, is what a lot of the people of the world like to assign any kind of faithfulness or devotion to God. You're being religious. And if that kind of thing does something for you, then so be it. But I'm not going that way. This is not what it's about. You know, the Bible's very clear about God and Adam and Eve that they had fellowship together and sin broke that. And God clearly loved his people and wants to have a close relationship. Christ made it possible for us to be in a close relationship with God again. And so our place is to is to treasure that. <laughs> and that's the problem when we don't to, tr to find our treasure in him. And of course, you know, the thing is, is because we have this old man 
bolted on to the new man. And we have every day, and I know I'm not telling anybody here anything, but every day you have the old man that wants stuff. And I've so many times thought of the old man is really as a messy, smelly, disastrous roommate that you can't seem to get apart from. And the thing is, is God does not tell us to try to make a deal with the old man. You get control from seven to five or seven to twelve or whatever, and I'll get the rest. Of you don't make deals with the old man. What we can do is cling to the Lord our God and you know, seek his face daily. And the Bible says, here's the deal you can make with the old man. You can kill him. And of course, that is very unpalatable pretty much to every one of us. And we're too used to feeding our old man instead of crucifying him. Brother Patrick. Oh, he's not a roommate. You're locked in the same closet with him. (laughs) 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 Well, the old man, he does not want any of the anything that God says that we should want. He does not want us to live with God. He does not want us to follow in his ways. He does not want us to seek his glory. The old man seeks self-gratification and doesn't care about what's right or wrong. So our place is to say no, you know, and, and you know, and the Bible talks about the fruits of the, the fruits of the spirit and the works of the flesh. The fruit of the spirit is and this is in Galatians. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. And I'm going to misquote it, but and the works of the flesh are manifest and they're they're the complete opposite. They're carnality and they're and they're danger and they're only bad things. That's what the works of the flesh produce. Yes, sir. Right. Well, well God. Start, in other words, when he started eternity, he started with the principle of free will. So right. And and the thing is, God did not want robots. That's what he could have designed us as robots. He could have designed us just to do what we're told, you know. And yet, uh, I think it's the 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 freedom to choose to seek Him, the yeah. the, the freedom to fear Him, the freedom to obey Him. Those are the things that give glory to Him. Right. And that's the way in which we listen. There is no other way. There is no other way to, to get through this life, not just safely, but bringing glory to God, which is our purpose. Our purpose for being on planet Earth after we're saved is to glorify him. And so we should seek that. We should say, God, help me. Help me this day to, to live for you and not for myself. And so um, his testimonies are wonderful and they profit us greatly. And that leads to number three here in your notes is that all that God says and all that he does in our lives as we follow him is profitable. Even as God corrects us and chastens us, he is bringing about things that would glorify him and bless us. And of course, you know, we don't think of the chastening of the Lord as pleasurable. And you see that in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and it's right here in your notes. If ye endure uh, chastening, God dealeth, dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? 
For verily they, uh, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. That passage says so many things, uh, but I wanted to also focus on this, that the eye of faith sees God's corrections as a blessing or even hard times when it's not correction. When we have hard times comes into our life and Job is a very powerful picture of that. Uh, even hard times, if God means it for, for his, his glory and our good, can be something to be thankful for. Take joy in your tribulations. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And you notice what Paul says in this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven. And so this is Paul. He says, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So this passage is very clear. This is not correction. This is not punishment or, or correction or anything like that. This is something that God added to him or that God allowed to, bring, to, to come to him. So uh, verse eight, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The thing about this passage, I do not think that Paul is saying when bad things come into my life, or for that matter, Paul mentions here this thorn in the flesh. And he has asked the Lord three times that God take it from him. And essentially the Lord said he would not take it from him because he said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so listen, this is not something we readily identify with. And and again, I do not believe that Paul, if he had something in his life that hurt him, was challenging to him, was something that was challenging to him in some specific way, and he wanted it gone. I don't think he, he said, yay, like in some, some you know, amusement ride. Hey, this is fun. I don't think that's the case. What I'm thinking, what I think Paul had was he could see the value in difficulties that brought him either closer to God or brought him to, like in this, posi- this uh, uh, circumstance, it's a matter of, He realized that this this messenger of Satan that buffets him makes him dependent upon God, entirely dependent upon God. And the thing is, is and and Paul even specifies here, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. So listen, Paul is growing in Christ and he is being used of God to do things that 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 are wonderful, that he is ministering to many saints and many souls are being saved. But whatever the case of, of the magnitude of it was, this thing was added to him to help him be humble, to help him see his own weakness. And I think that, again, I think we have trouble identifying with this thought of appreciating our weakness. And yet at the same time, listen, the saints of God need God both to keep us teachable, <laughs> keep us leadable, 
Keep us in that place where we recognize I am entirely dependent upon his grace every single instant of the day. And listen, there may be things in all of our lives that help us stay in that humble place. Lord, I need you constantly. There's a song that uh, my daughter and, and, uh, and the Ledford girls sang uh, uh, not long ago. I mean, many years ago, but doesn't seem like that long to me. Anyway, uh, it was, Lord, I need you. I know a lot of you are familiar with it. Lord, I need you. Every minute of the day, I need you. And listen, when we get a little comfortable in any way in the Christian life, it may be that God has to bring us back to that place of realizing how much we need God at every instant of the day. Patrick? Yeah, I agree. He's not saying yay. Yeah. It's like he wants it to happen, but it sounds like he wanted it to be taken. He asked thrice. Yeah. But it seems like he did learn later on to take pleasure in them. Yeah. And, I, I, and, and again, it's like a lot of things. It's when you look back. You know, and I, there's times I can look back in my life and I would not have asked for the situation I was in. But I, I look back and I can see that there was good purpose in it, that God could use that thing. And I and, and my wife would tell you, <laughs> I was nothing more than a puddle. <laughs> I was a pile of weakness. That's all I was, a very frail, uh, you know, just weak little puddle. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was. It, I think God was trying to get your attention. Yeah, he started to jettison things that shouldn't have been in his life. It's like, okay, honey, that, don't go too far. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, it's true, though. No, no. So listen, my, my the point is, is there there are things I look back, and there are so many. And it's not even just that scenario that we're talking about. There are so many things in which I wanted things to be different. I wanted something that is there to be gone or something that wasn't there to be there. Listen, God knows what he's doing. And when he tells us no, or when he tells us, you know, uh, uh, listen, our, our, our place is to wait upon him and trust in him. Cassandra. I always thought of not taking that thorn away from him. Kept him humble. Right. Also gave him a very important testimony. Amen. To the people he was around. Yeah. That he was dealing with this with God's help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'd ask God to take it away, but everybody's looking at him to see how he handles it. Just yeah. like with Job. Mm-hmm. His friends thought he should just give up. Yeah. But God knew he, he was strong enough yeah. to withstand what he had. Well, and, and well, his, his, his strength specifically came from God. The strength that God gave him to get through that came specifically from God. And, um, and I, I was thinking earlier about, <laughs> it, was, I, it was just this morning, I was thinking about the fact that Job... If, what if Job had what we have? What if he had the book of Job? <laughs> what if Job had the book of Job to get him through? <laughs> well, I, I think that his perspective would have been dramatically different. I mean, you know, to think about what Job went through, that couldn't be easy even if you knew the game plan. But to know what was being done, to know that there was this challenge between God and Satan and and to know all those things and to know that God is going to see you through this very blessed. You know, you're going to get to the end of this and, it, and it's not like it's going to have been worth it to have been hurt or to, to have your children taken away or all those things. It's not like you're going to say, I'm glad that happened. But you could you could recognize that God had a purpose and a plan and that he was going to see you through. 
A definitive time in which God is going to see you through this and you're going to be able to look back and give glory to God. But Listen, what's that? He knew not to curse him. Amen. And uh, you get to the end of the book of Job, as I've told you guys many times, I still astounds me every time I think about it. God never gave Job the why. Never. Never did he get the why. And the thing is, is something about us makes us think that we deserve to know why. <laughs> we will know why someday in heaven at the very least. But listen, it is not it is not guaranteed to us more than likely more. Than, I also believe there's so many things that we are not going to get the full answer on here. We, it won't be until we're with him in heaven that we understand things perfectly. Listen, even again, if God gave Job everything that we have, he still could not have understood perfectly. We don't understand things, all kinds of things perfectly. And we have the entire word of God to help us and teach us. And so, listen, our place is, is to understand that if God corrects me, if he allows things that I wish wouldn't be in my life, in my life, then he knows what's best at all times. And, I, you know, as the guy standing behind the podium, I know that's easy for me to say, except that I can look back in my own life. And recognize God had a purpose and a plan to everything that has happened to me. You know, there's there's all kinds of difficulties and challenges that are just common to man. So many things. And, you know, there's even uh, when Peter, when uh, he mentions, and I, I'm not going to quote this right, but he mentions in the same kinds of persecutions that are accomplished in your brethren. So, so many times we're going through something, you feel like you're the only one. And that's just not true. I doubt that there's anything that we could claim is particularly unique to us in the human experience. God has seen so many of his people through so many things that we can't even imagine. And God is faithful all the time. There's never a time in which he's not. And so um, and I wanted to look at this also. Uh, so we just talked about the eye of faith sees God's corrections as a blessing or even hard times if God means it for his glory and our good. And uh, and also John chapter nine. I, I want you really want you guys to see this. John chapter nine in verse one. So this is a blind man. This is the Lord Jesus and his disciples coming upon him. John chapter nine, verse one. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that, uh, of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so he said there, uh, when they said, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he, that he had this ha happen to him, that he was born blind. And Jesus said, neither. Not, it, it isn't correction or punishment for his parents. And it wasn't for him. It's that the glory of God should be known through his work in his life. Now, listen, again, it's something else we can't we can't hardly ever see that God is doing something <laughs> that is going to glorify him. And again, you know, we we tend to feel like my life is all about me. I think even many born again believers have this ingrained in our pers perspective so much of the time that my life is about me. It is not about me. It is not about any one of us. Even the lost souls who don't know it, their lives are not about them either. Listen, it is 
abundantly made clear that God created mankind and that we are made to worship him. That is our our purpose. I see pastor and I think, uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay, all right. (laughs) And so um, uh, the man that was born blind, he said, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And of course, we know what happens. The Lord Jesus uh, spat on the ground and made clay, uh, clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the b- blind man with the clay, and he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. And if I remember correctly, this became a huge controversy with the Pharisees. I think this is, is this him? Yeah, this is him. So, uh, and, and oh, I gotta, I gotta, we gotta read this thing at the bottom. <laughs> so after the Pharisees, they ended up just throwing him out. And reviling him, the Bible says. And so after they throw him out <laughs> for the great sin of being healed. <laughs> uh, you know, at some point, these guys should have their own works as a witness against them. But they're, they're clueless. And so they answered into verse 34. They answered into him, thou wast altogether born in sins and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Isn't that something? <laughs> the Lord Jesus made it so that he could see. And, he, and all this happened and, and, and his first introduction to the Lord. He didn't know who he was. But he received healing and he, he had never seen before. If you can imagine this man, he has never seen in his life. Until he meets the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus makes clay, spat on the ground and made clay and anointed his eyes. And he came seeing. And instead of rejoicing, you know, everybody should, that, that, that was even touching this matter should have rejoiced. <laughs> this is the work of God. And instead, they use it. They use it to try to gain some ground. And, uh, and they throw him out. And that's, this is the wonder of, of this whole story. They cast him out. And Jesus went looking for him. <laughs> and uh, he said, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? And he say, answered and said, uh, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And it's a beautiful passage. The Lord is always seeking the castaways. And uh, so anyway, and, and, and so uh, I follow all that up with this. That uh, And we see that in the last part of uh, Hebrews 12, uh, uh, verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And again, when you're going through it, you can't necessarily, you don't often, we do not appreciate what we're going through. But, you know, afterward. Afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Anyone, anyone here that has been through something that God used to get you out of something. I'm not asking for a show of hands or anything like that, but I've got God do that for me. So many times I've had him correct me and things that I would not want in my life. He used to help me. And I could say that over many, many decades of being a Christian. And so I have this note that afterward. We are seldom thankful for God's correction at the time, but after he has brought us closer to him, we can look back and see his work in our lives as wonderful. 
we can look back and see him correcting, rebuking, (laughs) doing all kinds of things that we don't want when we're going through it or when we're experiencing it. But we can look back and say, thank God for that. How many of us as as grown, grown men and women look back and thank God for our human father that corrected us? Many of us are probably not in jail right now because we had a, a, a father and a mother who would not suffer us to just do whatever we wanted. And God is by far the best father there is. And so, again, the note is uh, we are seldom thankful for God's correction at the time. But after he has brought us closer to him, we can look back and see his work in our lives as wonderful. And then letter D at the very bottom of number two is therefore doth my soul keep him. That's keep them. That's the last part of uh, 120, 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore doth my soul keep them. So on page three, uh, turning a page. <laughs> Letter I there says at the top, um, Psalm 119 is filled with the celebration of God's words. The discovering of the blessedness of knowing his word and keeping it. It is a well of blessing that never runs dry. Keeping his word and knowing him, growing in him, go hand in hand. There's so many Christians that think that they can live afar off and everything's fine. A child of God can never be okay living afar off. You have to be clinging to him. You have to be holding on to him. And none of us are ever going to be perfect. But listen, if you're not even, if it's not even a concern of yours to be close to God, then there is something wrong. There's something wrong. If you're not even concerned about your relationship with God, if it's just I'm saved and and everything's good, I'll just do whatever I want. That's there's something dramatically wrong with that perspective. And that child of God is not going to be long in that case before God corrects him in some way. Or maybe they're already being corrected. and They just don't even know it. Uh, And there's the possibility that if you're being corrected, like it said in Hebrews, uh, or I'm sorry, that if you're not being corrected, if you're doing whatever you want and you're living however you want and there's no correction then the Bible uses the term bastards. You're bastards and not sons. And so uh, every one of us, every child of God should be corrected and being led by God. But, but again, let me just focus on that last point again. Psalm 119 is filled with the celebration of God's words. The discovering of the blessedness of knowing his word and keeping it is a well of blessing that never runs dry. And the last thing is keeping his word and knowing him, growing in him, that all goes hand in hand. Keeping his word and knowing him, growing in him, it all goes hand in hand together. Okay, so we're at a good stopping point. Anybody have any thoughts or questions? Yes, sir. One. I found a verse that shows a contrast to the word repent. Okay. It's actually a bad thing. Okay. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. Right. Yeah, that's another good, uh, not the same thing as what we traditionally think of as, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. So I think repent at its core, and I could be wrong, Pastor can tell you better about the Greek and all that, but uh, it means, you know, uh, a, a, a turning away from. Uh, I think that, um, that, like, specifically regarding, like, I think uh, the thief on the cross is what I think of when I think of repentance, where, you know, because a lot of us are very uneasy at the idea of someone saying, yeah, just 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 believe these things. 
uh, or just say these words, say this prayer, and you'll be saved. And, uh, and of course, the, the, the important thing is, is, is you see that thief on the cross, and there was, there was a, a dramatic change in his perspective. And he looked at the Lord, and he said, this man has done nothing amiss. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest. He said, we deserve to be here. Uh, and we, we're receiving the, the due recompense of our actions. And so that, that's what I tend to think of as repentance, as, as far as the, the, uh, the acknowledging I, I have sinned. And there's a verse in Job that says, I have done that which is wicked. I can't remember how it's worded. And it profited me not. You know, this, this understanding of I have messed up and I need a Savior. That, that need, that, that, that tremendous you know, conviction that the Holy Spirit brings, how desperately you need God to forgive you and save you. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty good picture. Uh, in itself. So, any other thoughts or questions? Okay, let's close. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for all that we've uh, seen in your word today. And we do pray you would help us, Lord, to cling closely to you. We pray that we could be easily led by you, easily corrected, and not have to um, not have to experience harder and harder things because we're not listening well. And Lord, we lift up to you our loved ones, uh, our children, our our. Uh, Loved ones that, uh, that, that may be afar off, Lord, we, we pray for them that they would also be tender toward you and be able to be, uh, be led of you to a close relationship with you. We pray for uh, all of our uh, families represented here, every, uh, every family, every home, every marriage. We pray for those who can't be here tonight. And we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. We ask your blessings as we go home. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you all.